You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. What an awesome day. Uh, today we have, uh, well, we've got the opportunity to worship the Lord and then we dig into His Word, but we have a great privilege this morning. And uh, I'm going to invite uh, the Costners and the Terriers to come on up this way. Come on up. <laughs> See what y'all got to look forward to? A crew. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to do it all yourself. Wow. Yeah, come on. Uh, y'all come right here and um, y'all can just, I'll tell you what y'all take right there. That'll work. We have the privilege uh, to uh, dedicate a couple of babies this morning and excited about that. I'm thankful for both of these families. Um, just uh, what they uh, mean to us as a church family, what they mean to me uh, as their pastor. And um, I want to read, before we go any further, I want to read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. It's now, now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with her, with three bulls, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore I also have lent or have granted him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. I think it's a great opportunity for us to learn something if you've never been a part of anything like this. What we're doing today is we are basically making a covenant with each other. They're professing before the Lord that they're going to raise this child, these ch children, in the admonition of the Lord, that they're going to do everything they can to live blameless before the Lord and in the eyes of not only God, but in the eyes of these children so that they would see it modeled before them and come professing faith in Christ themselves one day, and that they would help nurture that in their lives. And then we as a church family, are we are coveting together with them to help them in that process. And, and anybody that's raised children will agree, it takes a village. Can I get a witness? In the spiritual realm of things, as Christians, we need to be there for each other. Uh, there are many cases in the church life to where there are a lot of things we should do that we probably don't do, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn to do them. And there are times uh, when uh, moms need help from moms that have been further down the road. There are dads who need help from men who have been further down the road than them. And there are times when godly questions have come up and people need help with answers to guide and direct. And then everybody needs prayer. Everybody needs somebody praying for them that God would just continue to look over them and bless the, their homes and, and all. And then just the joy of getting to be a part of um, seeing God in, in the process of these kids growing up is just awesome. So um, with that being said, I want to lay a challenge on the parents first. And so I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to lay a challenge on the church, and I'm going to pray for these young folks. So Landon, Caitlin, Y'all um, have a new privilege, 
uh, here, and I know you're just thrilled and excited about it. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> you are talking up a storm today. That's awesome. Um, we're just thankful that you have the opportunity to lead, guide, and direct, and that's your challenge today is that you would, that you would take God's word and that you would lead her in the, just the ways of the Lord, even when it gets tough, and it does. It gets hard. Uh, it's going to be hard sometimes to say no to her. It's going to be really hard for you to, to say no to her, um, but the day will come uh, when you will. And, and I can promise you upon the authority of God's word, if you'll stand with his word, um, it, it will prove to be faithful in the end. Uh, I promise you that. So um, I just challenge y'all with the, this, this, uh, the duty of raising this precious young lady. Then, wow, mom here, she, this was a surprise, this was, this was a, and for dad, uh, this is a surprise, but Brandon and Whitney, y'all, uh, y'all have some experience uh, now, but I'm sure there are a lot of challenges that have come along, they're, they're all different, but I, I'm thankful that I'm, to know one thing about y'all so far, and, and I ask you to continue it, is that you would continue to lead with the Bible at the forefront of everything that you do. Let God's word lead you and direct you and just a privilege to watch a, a, another Terry come along uh, the, the path here. So church, and I'm gonna ask y'all to acknowledge back on this one. Will you promise to step up with more children being uh, brought into the congregation? And we have been blessed. I don't know if this was six or how many this was since Janu uh, since. Well, almost a year ago, uh, soon to be a year ago, my granddaughter come uh, into this world um, a year ago in just a few days. And, um, and we're uh, excited that God has so blessed our church family to have so many babies. Um, so we have a large job before us. We've got to pray for them. We've got to walk uh, in the life of Jesus Christ before them. We've got to love them like Christ loved them loves them, and we've got to stay steadfast. So would you as a church family, if you agree to, to just do life with them according to God's word, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Well, good deal. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start over here. Um, and so Madeline, I'm going to give mom this stuff. Let me pray for y'all. Father, I want to thank you, God, for this opportunity. I pray even now, God, that you would so overshadow this household this family. I pray for Landon. I pray for Caitlin. I pray, God, as they learn what being a parent's like, being a mom, being a dad, I pray that you would give them the love that Christ has given to, to them. I would pray that you give grace, patience, kindness, gentleness, but also that you would allow them to be steadfast and true never bending on what God's word says, but trusting God that if they would follow you, that they would be in good care. Watch over them, God. Overshadow them with your precious grace. Provide every need that they have according to your riches and glory. And Father, I, we just thank you for this opportunity to, to bless her so that she might be a blessing to others. In Christ's name, amen. Let's see here. Then, I'm going to ease right here by you, buddy, just for a second. 
Oh, goodness. So, Miss Landon, I'm going to give Dad <laughs> this right here. And I'm going to pray with y'all. Father, today, God, I want to just ask you to please, God, continue to look after this family. Brandon and Whitney have um, got a few miles under their belt when it comes to raising children, but they've got distances yet to go. I pray, Father, that as they lead Landon and the rest of the family, I pray, dear God, that you would give them the continued peace and grace to know that your word is true and that you're trustworthy, you're faithful. And so, God, would you strengthen them uh, with the ability to finish the course? God, I pray that you would give them health, uh, provide every need that they have according to your riches also. And God, that you would overshadow them with the grace to be able to give grace to their kids. I pray, Father, for Landon. I pray for strength and for a future to bring glory and honor to you. And God, we can't help but thank you enough, God, for your graces thus far. Give them the rest of the miles to finish the course and, and do it for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Y'all, uh, Thank them for being here today uh, and doing this. So y'all can go ahead. Yeah. Uh, awesome, awesome. I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, y'all go ahead and get set. And I'm going I'm to uh, open us in prayer again before we jump back into worship. Y'all stand with us if you would. <clears throat> As we get ready to uh, sing this next song, I want to encourage you in something. I, I stopped... Um, this morning at uh, a store to pick up some uh, things that I needed today. <laughs> and um, the, the lady that was opening up, she was running a little bit late. Um, got to talk with her just a moment, just me and her in the store. And um, she had a rough Christmas. Her dad had a stroke back in uh, around April. And come to find out he has a little trouble walking He's got a little trouble with the use of one of his arms. And her and her sister, um, he's a little cantankerous because he's lost some of these abilities. And so um, I asked her how her Christmas went, and she just said it was rough, honestly. just want to say this. Everybody didn't have the same Christmas. You know, things happen. Things happen outside of our control sometimes. But God's faithful. And the thing that stays consistently faithful that we love about God and trust about him is that we trust that Christ is who he says he is. That there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we believe that here. We believe that Christ is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. He's the one that sets the heart straight in a path to follow him. And so this morning we're going to worship him. But I just want you to encourage you, if you had a Christmas that was in your eyes flawless, why don't you be thankful to him today for it? But if you had a Christmas that was a little bit off, I want you to know that my God is a God of tomorrows, not just a God of yesterdays. He's a God of tomorrows too. So Father, as we come before you now, God, I want to ask you to please, Lord, allow us the opportunity to worship. We worship you today in the name of Jesus Christ, thankful for these two precious children and these families. And God, we give you the glory for everything that you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen.
It is great uh, to be here with you this morning, just excited um, about what God is doing and is going to do, for sure, in the lives of people. Um, before I did, I guess it got claimed, did somebody get the Bible? It's gone, so it must be. I had a Bible we found last week and was trying to make sure we got, got it back to the rightful owner. With that being taken care of, um, I want to invite you to go to Luke chapter 1. If you've got a handout and you want to follow along with us there, feel free to do that. I encourage you there to do that. <clears throat> we're going to read these verses 57 through 66 to set the stage for some other things we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1. And I want to accomplish a few things this morning. For one, just to get his word out, and I believe his word changes lives. And so, in that, that's one of the things I'd love to accomplish today, is just to get his word out. I also want to accomplish wetting your appetite for the word of God. We're going to look primarily in this one chapter of scripture. Although this is a long chapter, we won't cover anywhere close to all that's in there. But I am going to cover a good bit of ground to show you a few things that can come out of just one chapter of Scripture. We're challenging our church family this year, 2022, starting the first week of January, first full week of January, to read five chapters a week throughout the course of this year. That's the bare minimum challenge that we're laying out there, five chapters. We're going to look at one chapter today, and that's why I want to try to whet your appetite so that you might see the riches that can be found and challenging to you out of His Word. 
If you want to take that challenge a step further, you memorize one scripture memory verse a week throughout the course of the year. That means over the course of the year, you would memorize 52 verses of scripture. Don't worry about the 52. Let the 52 slip up on you. Just take it one week at a time, right? One chapter at a time, one week at a time with a verse. Maybe then you'd take it a step further and you would journal. We're going to do a journaling technique called the Here Journal by Replicate Ministries. It simply means that we will highlight things that stand out to us in that chapter that we read, the verses that stand out to us. We will explain to the best of our ability what those mean in the context of when they were written. We will apply those things to our lives. How do those things apply to our lives? And then we will respond as to how am I going to respond to the challenge that these verses have brought to me before God. And it's almost like a prayer between you and God. God, I've recognized this. God, how will you, um, how will, will you challenge me? How will you help me through this? And your grace, God, would be sufficient in this process. And so it's more of the Bible reading you than you reading the Bible. It's not just to read the Bible. It's not what the whole point is. It's so that the Bible reads you. And then maybe you want to take it to the final level. And that is to join a D group, which is six people or less. You meet once a week for no more than 70 minutes. And you discuss what you've journaled in, the week, in your journal the week before. It's a great process. But I want you to focus just on reading the Word of God for just, just this morning. I want you to focus just on one chapter, reading the Word of God. And we won't read this chapter in its entirety. But like I say, I want to just pull out a few things that you could mine out of a text to challenge your lives and maybe to inspire you from God's Word. So Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. The Bible reads like this. Now Elizabeth's full time had come for her to be delivered. She brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had showed great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he should have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all the sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And let's pray. Father, would you take your word this morning, do what only you can do for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. At this text that we've read, we catch up with Elizabeth and Zacharias. Zacharias has been serving his run as a priest at the temple. He's got his once-in-a-lifetime chance that he's been allowed to do to burn incense on the altar. While he is in there, he is approached by an angel. Just him alone and the angel. Fear has come upon him. <clears throat> he is told by the angel that God is going to give his wife a son even in their old age after they are what's considered to be past childbearing years. <clears throat> John, uh, uh, sorry, Zacharias 
has said these words. He said, how can this, these things be? <clears throat> the angel struck him mute there in the temple because of his doubting God in that process. And so Zechariah stays unable to speak up until this moment that we read. But he had been told also that the child's name would be John. But here's what I want you to grab out of this particular text, out of this segment of the scripture. Look at verses 65 and 66 again. It says, Then fear came upon all who dwelt around them, and all the sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. Now, pause there for a moment. Something has happened that is so out of the ordinary that everybody's talking about it. And they are marveling at the things that, that are coming to be. And then listen to verse 66. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So they're going around and they're going, Something has got to be different about this child. Something has got to be different about the things that are happening because this is so outside of the norm. And I just want you to see that God can get people's attention if he so chooses to do it. God has a great plan. And here's the thing that we're going to take with us today. Only God knows certain things. Only God knows what he can do with lives uh, that, that surrender over to him. Only God knows what he will do with any given life that he so chooses to do it with. And so as we think about that, we're going to dive in right off the bat and let's talk about the fact that only God knows what he can do through ordinary people. People who desire to follow him. Ordinary people who desire to follow him. You've got to understand that John the Baptist is no different than anybody else that's ever been born on the face of this planet. These children that we dedicated this morning, John the Baptist was a child just like them. The difference in John the Baptist and them only come through God and his plan for his life, and the response that was given by John and by his parents. Let me show you, show you that in the text. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 5 and 6, speaking of people who desire to follow him, in chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Did you catch that last part? It says, and they were both righteous before God. Did not say that they were perfect. Listen to what it says. Walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. There's only been one perfect that's walked the face of this earth, and that's Jesus Christ. But there are people who walk blameless before the Lord. A blameless life is a repentant life. A blameless life is a life there that is desiring to follow after the commandments, the ordinances of the Lord, to do everything possible to let the Word of God lead and the Spirit of God lead uh, through, through um, helping them understand the Word of God. And they lead that life. And when they find themselves in a place where they don't understand or maybe they've been disobedient, they come before God with repentant hearts, seeking His mercy and seeking His grace. So don't forget that there are people out there that desire to follow Him. There are some things that God will do with your life that you might not pick those things. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. 
But there are also things in your life that you have a choice in which you are obedient or disobedient. And so when we look at his life and we think about that only God knows what he can do through ordinary people like Zacharias and Elizabeth, we also have to understand that only God knows what he will do or can do through ordinary people who also determine to finish well. It's one thing to start off strong. It's another thing to finish strong. If you plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail is what they say. But these people are planning to succeed. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now put your heart and mind into the framework of what's going on. Here's Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible says that they're well advanced in years. In other words, it seems that it would be impossible for them to have a child. They have probably wanted to have a child in a great way. The reason I know that is because in that day and time it would have been a disgrace for them to not have a son. They could have had daughters, but yet they still would have wanted a son. It was something about passing off the family name and the heritage through a son in that culture that brought great esteem to people. They had no children whatsoever, much less a son. And yet in that time they stayed faithful. Don't miss it. He said, they had no child, well advanced in years. What does verse 8 say? And so it was that while he was serving, at the end of his life, getting toward the end of his course on this earth, even though it may look to some that God had not been faithful to him. And you got to think, Zacharias is a priest. He gets to serve in the high priest position for that one time to go into the Holy of Holies by himself to give to offer uh, incense on the altar, but yet he has no child, and it would look to some like God had forsaken them. As a matter of fact, even in that culture and the people around him, he probably would have been, well, they probably would have made fun of him. They probably would have wondered what God had, what they had done for God to have cursed them like that so that they didn't have a child. But nevertheless, he still served. In Luke chapter 1, verse 23 It says, so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, he departed for his own house. You got to remember, the angel has struck him mute, but, and, and has told him he's going to have a son, but doesn't have the ability to speak about having a son. But what does Zacharias do? Zacharias finished his course there before he went home. Can I just say this? Not only does God need, but this world needs people who will stick with the stuff that will finish. Let their yes be yes and no be no. I've had a lot of projects that I've started, opened up a can of worms and go, I really don't want to finish this. This is more than I planned to get into, but I made a promise that I would see it through and do it. Sometimes that's took a year. Sometimes that's took two and three years. But I think that God blesses those that stick with what they say they're going to do, even sometimes when they misspeak. And for God's sake, if you're not going to follow through with it, you ought to at least try to make sure that there's somebody else that can handle it and pass it off to them before you let go yourself. I'll take you to a young David, son of Jesse, the one that slew the giant Goliath. 
when David was going to go take the, uh, the supplies to his brothers as his father had commanded him, the Bible says that he left the sheep that he was responsible for in the hands of a keeper. In other words, he made sure that the responsibilities that he had to take care of were being taken care of when he was sent on another assignment. I just put it in some layman's terms, maybe redneck if you will. If you're going to say you're going to do it, do it. How about that? If you say you're going to do it, follow through with it. Christianity is marked by people who will do the right thing even if they're going to lose. I'm going to say that one more time. A tremendous mark of a Christian is somebody who will carry through and do the right thing even when they know they're going to lose. That's why I mentioned what I mentioned a while ago. Sometimes when we're raising children, we have to say what, church? No. And are they going to like it all the time? <laughs> Better believe that. So it's hard sometimes to carry, carry out the things that need to be carried out to do right. But you carry them out anyway. You follow them through. You see it through. And so I just want to encourage you that only God knows what he will do with people that follow him and determine to finish well. Only God knows what he can do through ordinary people who desire to follow him, finish well, and who depend on his favor. We know that we can do all that we want to do, but we can't do certain things. In other words, I can't physically accomplish certain things. Zacharias and Elizabeth here, they probably, I don't know, but they probably done all that they could do to have children. Y'all with me? Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was pray, praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Listen to these next words. For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Back back up to the, there in verse 13. For your prayer is heard. I don't know when Zacharias prayed. I don't know how often Zacharias prayed. Zacharias may have quit praying in his 20s or his 30s. Zacharias may have prayed right up until the day that the angel came for a son. But regardless, we know this. The angel said, and as a matter of fact, the angel says of himself, I'm the angel that stands in the very presence of God Almighty by his throne. He said, and God has heard your prayers. So Zacharias has prayed, and we don't know how long he's had to wait, but God has heard his prayers. I just want to lay this out. I don't think that God is a genie in a bottle where you just rub it, rub the bottle, and the genie comes out, and you get three wishes. I don't think that's the God we serve, but I do serve a God that hears the prayers of his people. I serve a God who listens intently, and, intently, and he answers he may not answer when we want him to. He may not answer how we want him to, but I promise you he answers. 
And I think that something, that one thing that kind of carves it out, gets it down to the very nuts and bolts of us praying in the will of God is for us to get over ourselves, seek the will of God in our lives and be in tune with him. God will see the very heart of his people. Sometimes when I pray, I have to get things out the way. I had one time, and I won't go into great detail about it because it's online and it would involve some people that, that I don't want to hear about this story this way. But I had something that I thought I, I wanted. And I was in a prayer meeting one time and we were challenged hours before this prayer meeting as to what is the one thing that you, if you could ask God only one thing, what is that one thing? Throughout the course of the couple of hours, I sit there and thought about a lot of things. Man, I'd love for the church to grow, get bigger. I'd love for this to happen. I'd love for that to happen. And it came down to the person that meant the most to me at that moment that was lost. And by, after a couple of hours of weeding through all that stuff, it came down to the person, a, a person and I want you to just hear that, that God's in the people of business, uh, business of people. I'm sorry. God is in the business of people. The stuff is just stuff. And God uses stuff, yes. But God is in the business of people. And so when my heart got in, in tune with, with God and when I, I got everything else stripped away, I seen the very desire of my heart that was right before the Lord. So obviously it was not wrong for Zacharias to be praying for a son. But God had a plan for this son. And he had a plan that this son would come about in a unique way to draw all the attention upon him. So only God knows what he can do through ordinary people who follow after him, determined to finish well, depend upon his favor, and who demonstrate reverent humility. It's one thing to trust God. It's one thing to walk, say we walk with God, but humility before the Lord. Do you know that God says in his word that he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble? I'm going to say that one more time, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. All of us would say that we would love to have the grace of God in our life, the favor of God in our life. How many of us would want to humble ourselves up under his mighty hand so that he might exalt us in due time? We'll say, we'll say we are, but sometimes that means we just, okay, well, God, I'll come to church on a regular basis. I'm, I'm just afraid that that ain't humbling yourself up under his mighty hand. You see, Zacharias and Elizabeth, don't forget, they were following after the commandments of the Lord. They were being faithful to him. They were dedicated to be faithful and blameless before him. In other words, if God said it, they trusted it, and they lived it. We have so many people today that could care less what God says, care less what his word says, but they want to act like God is favoring them. And I can tell you right now, the Bible teaches that God's hand is against the wicked. And that's hard to hear in this day and time. It's hard to hear those things that when I, I want you to hear them, when the preacher practices lawlessness, God turns a deaf ear to me. God is not in favor of me. Luke chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 says, Now after these, those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. She hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Did you notice that? I mean, what would we normally want to do if God did a miracle like that would be to go out and shout it from the rooftops, right? But she pondered for five months in humility 
before she ever went to anybody and proclaimed it. Thus the Lord has dealt with me. In those days he looked upon me to take away my reproach from among the people. It, it was overwhelming to her that God would bless her. I think that's a good thing to note. Sometimes we act like God should bless us. That we deserve it somehow. Sometimes we think we deserve it because of the color of our skin. Well, I'm an American. I was born an American. I'm, I'm a white American and I ought to, God ought to bless me. And that's how we've lived our lives a lot of times. But the truth of the matter is, I don't think it was God that was blessing us. I just think it was the prosperity that God allowed this country and our parents blessed us and the people around us blessed us. And there's been buildings built, ornate windows put in them buildings, steeples on top of them, beautiful grounds and all these things going on. But the question still remains, has God done something that man can't do on his own? And that's what we are desiring to see. Because only God can change a human life. Steeples can't change lives. Stained glass windows can't change lives. Pews and chairs and singing can't change lives. But the Word of God, Paul said, I claim to know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So it's, it's God that changes people. Proverbs eleven, two, When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. And let me just throw this in there. Because Zacharias, when the angel come to him and he told him these things, Zacharias, now you got to understand, he's serving in the temple. I mean, and, and the Bible's already told us that he and his wife chose to live blameless, following the commandments of the Lord. But listen, when the angel come before him and told him this, this is Zacharias, his response. How can these things be? <laughs> Let me just say this. Even the most God-fearing people have questions when, the, when he works in a miraculous way. It's okay. That doesn't mean we, we should go out here trying to doubt God. I'm just trying to say when God is working miraculous things with you. Maybe God is challenging you to something. It's okay if our flesh goes, there's no way, God. I'm going to use myself as an illustration uh, to, as we dive into this last section and try to get through it in a timely fashion. I'll never forget my HR manager at Michelin. There I was with a, a, a nice management job with Michelin Tire Company. I was in uh, a three-year process. I worked for Michelin for three years. I ran to Michelin trying to run from God. All during that time, God was pleading on me to surrender to him to go into the ministry. When I left there, my HR manager told me, he said, you're a fool. He said, there is no way that y'all are going to make it in this plan that you've got conjured up. Because we were leaving three kids. We were just uprooting and we was going to Bible college so I could be a student full time. He said, you'll never make it with this crazy scheme that you've got. And I, I'll be honest with you. I told him, I said, I ain't even got a clue myself how I'm going to make it. I said, all I know is I got to go. I got to do it. Now, let's, let's switch gears just a little bit. Only God knows what he can do. 
if people will be obedient. Because I believe there are some things that God allows us the privilege to join in and say, yes, I will be obedient to this or I'm going to be disobedient. But then there's sometimes God acts for his own glory whether you like it or not. And I want to show you this because it's going to mess up some of your theology, I promise you. It challenges mine every time I read this stuff. So here, here you go. Only God knows what he will do with any given life, any given life that he chooses to form. These two precious children that we have this morning that we brought forth, and, and any other kids in here right now, there would not be any children if God did not speak those children to be. Mom and dad didn't create those children. Let me just lay this down for you. You can go pull any science you want, want to pull, but we'll take it back. And every time we take a step back and take it back to its root, back to its origin, you're going to find a place where you have to say, we just don't know. And scientists are at that very place too. They do not know where human life comes from. There was a group of them, and it was said, that got together and said, we, we, don't, uh, we got it figured out. We don't need God now. We know how to make human life. And God responds and says, get your own dirt. Y'all can research that one. Only God knows what he will do with any given life he chooses to form. Luke 1, verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Did you hear that? He said he will bear you a son. Not... She's going to be pregnant, and if everything works out and the baby comes out healthy, because is that not the way we live our lives today? We, we wonder, we go, will the baby be healthy? We'll, we'll do all these ultrasounds. And let me just throw this in there. We'll also try to discourage people from having a child because men will say that that child, men will say that that child is not going to be worth having. Only God knows what he'll do with the life he chooses to form. Only God. And that life is a life from the moment of inception. As a matter of fact, listen to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, he said of Jeremiah. You I ordained as a prophet to the nations. Did you hear that? He said, before you were even born, I knew you. Not just that I knew you, I set you apart as a prophet for the nations. Now go take that, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Because here's what is important. Read the Word. There's so many reasons why some people struggle so much with what is, comes out of this book when people say it like it's supposed to be said. It's because they don't read it. They just go off of what somebody taught them all through the years. But what you going to do with that? Listen, he says before you ever had a thought in your mind, before you ever had, a, had strength in your body, before you ever spoke a word, before you ever breathed air on this earth, he said, I sanctified you and set you apart as a prophet for the nations. I remember when God started burdening my heart with the ministry call. <laughs> I told you, three years I tried to get out of it. Three years. 
I didn't ask to be a pastor. I didn't, I didn't ask to, to go back to college. I didn't ask for none of that stuff. I didn't ask to uproot my family out of school and home and around other family members. I didn't ask for all that stuff. See, I believe this, and this ain't nothing about me, I promise you. I believe that God, before I was ever born, he ordained for me to be here. He ordained for me to go follow him. He ordained for me to be set apart for him. And some people say, boy, it's good to have preachers that will just stand on the word of God no matter what anybody says. Can I just tell you something? If there is a preacher that's worth his salt that stands on the word of God no matter what anybody says, it is not because of the preacher. It is because God has put a backbone in them like a saw log. They won't bend and they won't bow before anybody. But they'll stand firm and say, thus saith the Lord. So if you ever got a problem with the book that's being preached, go to the author and not the spokesperson. So he chooses to form. Only God knows what he will do with any given life that he so chooses to form. He also notes in the scripture here, only God knows what he will do with any given life during the days that are counted for them. I think this is important that we get to this place. I want to read through Matthew 14, verses 1 through 12. I know my time's running short. We're about there. But you need to get this. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Why Matthew? Because we're going to look at the end of the life of the Apostle John. We're going to look at the end of the life of John the Baptist. I said the Apostle John, but John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at the end of his life. And you got to understand, John is born within less than a year of Jesus being born. Jesus, we believe, was on this earth no more than about 33-ish years. Jesus is in this scene in the Bible. He's, He's there, alive on earth. That means John was a young man. You with me? Two and two together. John is a young man. And at that time, it says in Matthew 14, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. See, he had captured John the Baptist, put him in prison. But then Jesus is out here working these great miracles And he thinks that John has recreated himself somehow to be out there working these miracles because he had him captured and he's worried. He says, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. He had taken to himself his brother's wife, and it was unlawful for him to do what he did. And John the Baptist calls him out and says, this is not right by God. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So they were scared. he was scared politically of what the crowds were going to do. Verse 6, but when Herod's birthday was celebrated... 
the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised that an oath to her, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Therefore, he promised with an oath to her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. It's funny if you read the Bible, you'll find all kind of crazy stuff like that. I want his head on a platter. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, because of the oath and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and looked uh, and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now, understand something. God calls John the Baptist to be born. Let's just put it this way. Maybe you don't agree that God did that, but let's just say, can we all agree that the Bible says that? Amen. The Bible says that God calls John the Baptist to be born. And we'll look at another unique thing about John the Baptist, uh, or about him and others. But John didn't live very long. As a matter of fact, Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Doctor, doctors can do all they want to do, but God knows the number of days for a life. I, I love hospice ministry. I appreciate, I say ministry, it's a business, but I love the fact there are people that are working in hospice that it is a ministry to them, but the people that own hospice, it is a business to them. Don't ever forget that. I'm thankful for that end time of life help that they give. But I can tell you as a pastor, I've stood by quite a few bedsides with hospice care, and I have watched families be called in from out of town. Better get here quick. He won't make six more hours. Better get here quick. Mama won't be here another day. This is the end of it all. And I've watched time after time after time. They live weeks, months. Some of them I've seen walk out of the hospice house and live for years. I'm just trying to tell you that God does know the number of your days. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes they never get to take a breath on this earth. Sometimes they never leave the womb. Doesn't mean that that life is not important to God and doesn't mean that God didn't have a plan. God can accomplish a plan whether you are present in the room or not. You with me? In other words, uh, if a child lives a month, God did something in the life of that child for that month. I promise you. Let's, let's go a little further so I can just wrap, bring this thing. Uh, in. Only God knows what he will do with any given life. He chooses to form during the days that are counted for him and those lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and let me just, I'm going to grab, I'm going to give you the, a verse to just ponder on. We're going to go to the last point. I'm going to give you a verse there and I'm just going to bring it to a close. Filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 1:15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he also will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And then we go on to the fact that only God knows what he will do in any given life that he speaks through. As a matter of fact, um, he 
it's said of him in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that he'll turn the children of Israel to their, uh, the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of, and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children. And that's not uncommon because in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and through 9, he says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I will send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Moses tried the same thing with God. God, I stutter, I stammer, I can't speak well. And God still sent him to Pharaoh. And he, was, he, he led the children of Israel out of captivity for the Lord thy God and for his glory. God used him. I think about my own self. Fairfield Central High School, the principal was Bill King. I seen Bill King, the principal, more than I seen most of my teachers. He drove a 260Z. It was blue and gray, original factory colors, nice little cool car. Drove from Chester, South Carolina to Winsboro, South Carolina. That man told me and my daddy that I'd never amount to nothing. And if my life would have been allowed to go on the course that it was headed on, he's probably right. But what he didn't know was what God did know. God had plans for me. The one who had to threaten his English teacher's life in the 12th grade to get out of high school so that I could graduate ended up having to take two solid years of English to catch up at Fruitland with a little extra help on the side. So if you think my English is bad now, you should have seen it then. <laughs> All I'm trying to tell you is that only God knows what he will do in somebody's life. You, say, you may say, I'm too old for this. John the Baptist was a child. God worked in his life as a child. Don't you dare ever think that. God, God is not done with you until he's done with you. On this earth, he's not done with you. Don't you discredit him. And don't you discredit what the power of the Holy Spirit of God can do. Now think about that. That John was filled with the Holy Ghost of God even from his mother's womb. Even so much so that when Mary and Elizabeth came close together, Jesus being in the womb of Mary, John being in the womb of Elizabeth, it says that the baby leaped with great joy before Jesus Christ in the womb of John, I mean of Mary. He's worshiping before he ever took a breath. He was called to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and he was ready to do it and hadn't even come into this world yet. What I'm trying to tell you is, don't you ever think that it's your ability that's going to bring glory to God. God wants us to humble ourselves up under his hand. See what God might do with you. And that brings the question, what does God want to do with you? First off, are you saved? That's a great question. Are you saved? Are you born again? Because that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible don't teach Let's just ask Jesus into your heart and everything's going to be fine. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But everybody, no matter what color of their skin, no matter what family they're born into, no matter where they're born into, what culture or whatever, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That they're none righteous, not one. And that all of us are due to pay a penalty. Everybody due to pay a penalty. What penalty? The penalty for breaking God's law. 
And you, you say, I, I don't, have I ever broke God's law? Any of y'all ever uh, stole anything? Took something that didn't belong to you. Sounds better, doesn't it? Uh, took something that didn't belong to me, but I'm not a thief. Okay, whatever. Uh, you ever told a lie? E- even just a little honky lie, right? A little white lie. You, you ever use the Lord's name in vain? You ever been disrespectful to your parents? The Bible says if you're guilty of one, breaking one law, you're guilty of them all. But he said that the law was the schoolmaster to draw us to Christ. So in other words, it is the fact that we are lawbreakers that draws us to our need that we can't stand before a holy and a righteous judge having been, being a lawbreaker because we're going to be sentenced. We're going to be condemned. But the Bible says in Romans that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus called according to his purpose. And so that means that you and I need the condemnation lifted off of us. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if you go on and read a little further, he says, And God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. How does He fulfill the law? You and I are lawbreakers. We owe a debt. We can't fulfill it ourselves because we can't pay the debt because we're sinful people and he wants a sinless sacrifice given on behalf of our sin. So Christ comes and he pays what we couldn't pay, imputes his righteousness to us, takes our unrighteousness upon himself on the cross, and now you and I go scot-free in Christ Jesus for all of eternity to be set free from the bondage of sin. And while on this earth, God is sanctifying us, working a work before others to be a testimony of what he can do in the life of a human being. So are you saved? If you're the same, if, if you, you can break this, the law of this book and carry on with your life and have no conviction, the Bible would call you unsaved. It's, the book's not out of date. It's just out of practice. The book is current and relevant today just as much as it was back then. They don't have, we don't have to come up with a new one. God don't have to write a new one. He don't, have to, he don't have to go to the cross again. This is once and for all, he says, that he came to be the high priest, and he has finished the work. So if you're not saved today, guess what? You can come to faith in Jesus Christ. Will God change you? Yes. Will your life change after he saves you? You better, you better believe it will. Yeah, you better believe it will. So if you love your life more now than you want to be saved, then guess what? He says you can have your life now, but you will pay the consequences for it in the end. So let me ask you another question. I wonder if anybody in this room has ever tried to shake the call of God on their life. That you know without a shadow of a doubt that God wanted you to do something for him. Maybe, maybe uh, some parents, even our, our parents that are dedicating the children, when she brought that child to, Sam, uh, to Eli, the child Samuel, she said, Lord, he's yours. As long as he lives on this earth, he's yours. So only God knows the length of the days. God made them. God's got a plan for them. Are you going to get in the way of God's plan, parents? Because what if God's desire for your child is that they grow 
And they head off into a mission field somewhere, and they die at an early age for the glory of God on some mission field in a third world country. That was a question that I read, and I didn't like it. I really didn't. But the truth of the matter is, whatever God, if I believe that God is who he says he is, and I believe that God is going to reunite us one day, and I believe that God can save to the uttermost, I have to believe that I, I need to give God control over my household, over my family, and over my life. So have you ever ducked the call? Have you ever ducked what God wanted you to do and you've not been obedient to it? When are you going to be obedient? When are you going to be obedient? You say, I'm not qualified. You're right, but God will qualify you. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That's what God does. You say, I don't know if I want to give up my life right now because it's just, I'm a Christian, but man, things are good right now. I mean, everything's kind of lined up like I want it. Can, can I just share with you? I'm not a prophet or a prophet's son, but as the Bible says, I have to do till a prophet comes. I will promise you, standing before you right now, if we live long enough in this world, in our lifetime, we're going to see some hard times. You might as well get to serving him now. Because he can change all of our prosperity in a moment. In a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment. Right there where you're at, if you would, just bow your heads for just a second. I'm not asking you to come to some altar or something like that. I just want to just ask you to, right where you're at, if you would, are you running from God? Have you run from God in, in some form or fashion? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe God is pulling on your heart that you need to be saved, that you, you're, you're caught in his grips, you're you know that you're lost. You know that you're disobedient to him. You know that you're, you're, you don't, you've been going away from him. But he is drawing you to himself right now. I want you to know that it's the greatest thing that could ever happen on the face of this planet, that God would save somebody. But by his grace go I. So today with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wonder, is that you? You're tired of running. You, you want to actually live for God and just give, give in, see what God has for your life in salvation. You want to be saved. You want to get off the path that you're on. You want to head in a righteous path that only God can do. Would you slide your hand up? Just anybody would just say, hey, I'm lost and I need to come to faith in Jesus Christ because I believe that I'm lost and I'm scared that I'm going to spend eternity separated from him. Would anybody just slide their hand up and say, hey, that's me, I'm lost, and I need Christ. I wonder if there's anyone in here, and you don't have to raise your hands at this, but I just, I wonder if there's anyone in here that you know without a doubt that God has wanted you to do something, but you were disobedient. You have not done it. It's radical. You just, you wonder how in the world it could it could work out because you've got so many things in the works and you're just scared that it, man, if I do this, we're liable to lose everything. You won't lose him. And he's faithful. So I just want to challenge you. This altar is always open. If you, if you want to, you can deal with him right there where you're sitting, where you're standing. You can come to this altar. I'll gladly pray with you. Most important thing is don't leave this place without making things right with him. If you're lost, you need to come in faith in Christ. How do I do that? 
You, you admit that you're a sinner before God. Confess that you're a sinner before Him. Confess by faith that Christ paid your penalty on the cross. They buried Him in the tomb, just as the Bible says. And on the third day, He arose with your victory, just as the Bible says. And you want to follow Him now as the Lord of your life. You can do that anywhere you are. So I'm going to be here. I'm going to pray. I'm, and, and then we're going to be, we're going to sing a, maybe a verse or so. Depends on what happens. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, today, God, we want to thank you, God, for the fact that you love us and care for us and have a plan for our lives. Please lead us to obedience. Maybe obedience to salvation. Maybe obedience to a, a missionary call. Maybe obedience to a, some type of vocational call. Maybe obedience to being, a, being a, uh, an active, working part of the body of Christ, a Sunday school teacher, a, a D group leader or something, maybe working in the nursery, whatever it is, God, would you lead us in Christ's name? Amen. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.